welcome to yet another episode of the new space india podcast we often see a lot of press announcements and uh, media coverage of space launches and satellite related activities however the use of these satellites in space is only to help people on the ground and this unfortunately is something that our media or the mainstream press does not really cover so prominently and often fascination ends at seeing those rockets fly and seeing what happens with those satellites up in space we need to know that satellites are ultimately just tools that people can use to better their lives in this episode of the new space india podcast we see one such downstream application which is helping the fishing community in india in identifying potential fishing zones using satellite imagery and it also caters to the safety of the fishermen as well as sustainability of fish numerate a startup based in mumbai headed by ceo devlina gives a great insight into how their application works and how is it serving the fishermen and the community around fishermen devlina welcome to the new space india podcast thank you so much for taking your time for recording this episode thank you mp for having me how are you doing <laughs> i'm good so i'm looking forward to learning a lot of things uh, that numerate do, is doing and uh, and what you are uh, you know doing with your team so you know just to begin with the show tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, you know how, what got you to start uh, numerate uh, you know as a background all right so um when my entrepreneurship uh, started somewhere in 2000 uh, you know early 2015 or 2014 end if you can uh, i'm thinking back now so where i was again working in a corporate like many other entrepreneurs and uh, looking for something to uh that kind of uh, helps me do what i really want to do so that's a typical story i won't really uh, go to the details of it but my first startup was called vocation uh, it was co-founded uh, and we were again back then using uh, different kinds of data to uh, build a global risk model it was primarily uh, based on the idea that uh, for a certain place what are the kind of risk involved health risk weather risk uh, financial risk but the fact is that we could not really uh, find a customer for us and and also the fact remains that all of us were a bunch of techies very excited about uh, what our uh, you know the tech possibilities of uh, risk analysis but not really into market analysis part of things so we pivoted a couple of times and then we finally uh, at least i can speak of myself i ran out of money we were bootstrapping back then and not finding a customer i decided to uh, start numerate primarily with a goal to start now a little bit more informed a uh, bit more wiser older too uh start with uh, the service side of things of data analytics as a service to bring money to the table and go back to product development so that's where you know I started working in numerate in september 2017 um, as a one man army and then within a span of 2 to 3 months started building the team and now we are a 15 uh, member team uh, working on uh, uh, you know building products uh, analyzing data and when we say data it's both geospatial data and other forms of numerical data fantastic so when you started building uh, you know your your team and your product or so on uh, 
you know how how does uh, geospatial technology really uh, you know work in india for example so uh, how are the data sets available for you and you know what uh, what is the kind of uh, products that you are planning to build right so my initial uh, experiencing experience in analyzing geospatial data started with bhuvan back in the days when i was still in my old startup location we uh, started using bhuvan data but soon we realized then that it's not really easily available and uh, as a startup i mean there are we have a lot of we have a time constraint we have a money constraint so you really have to have some kind of platform that gives you access to you know readily access to data and which you can um, get on a daily basis uh, access on a uh, on a way you can easily incorporate that into your uh, models into their program so a kind of a online availability where you can download and use so those things uh, unfortunately was maybe my lack of uh, knowledge a little bit about the isro platform but i could not really come up with it so we started looking beyond india and then uh, having said that we came across platforms that uh, the european space agencies and the nasas of the world has where you can just select your uh, area of interest and download the data of, data from it and you can uh, really uh, you know get data out of every kind of uh, every uh, levels or every uh, raw data or process data so that's where we started we kind of moved uh, away from using isro data and started using uh, esa and uh, nasa data uh, as of today uh, we still use uh, sentinel data and nasa data but uh, what i believe has been was happened in the last few months that we have had some conversation with uh, isro and where we believe that uh they are you know willing to provide uh, or make data available to us uh, available to startups in the geospatial world in a easier way and we don't really have to wait for uh, you know weeks or you know have uh, difficulty in accessing data if you're not really a you know if, if you're non insro person so i believe that should happen soon enough and we can start using you know isro data you know give me a quick uh, run off uh... what exactly you do with geospatial data and you know what is the kind of uh, product development or service that you are planning to provide uh, you know with with all the satellite data right so i'll speak about a flagship product uh, ofish ofish is primarily um, analyzing um, ocean observation data and analyzing um, various parameters i won't go into the depth of it but analyzing nine different parameters like chlorophyll sea surface temperature sea surface height and what we analyze is where are the fishing zones where are the fish breeding zones or the what hot spots in a coastal area so it started with that somewhere in 2018 we came across across this uh, uh, you know problem analysis where we discovered that you know of the coast of uh, and back then i mean if i have to really uh, give a little bit of history which will make you understand where we come from so we were uh, studying a coastal flooding model for uh, kerala and also for fani uh, and we discovered that uh, the data the marine data if you really study the properties of it that has undergone a rapid decline of uh, suitable parameters when it comes to finding potential fishing zones so we digged into the uh, problem a little bit more and this is all based on data available from satellite and we didn't even conceptualize the product back then having said that we uh, we kind of uh, having seen that we kind of uh, said okay let's see what what is the situation in the other parts of the world 
and we did some research and study and it stands out that um, uh, this the problem that my, micro fisheries or small scale fisheries are facing today is uh, due to urbanization, globalization, due to sea surface temperatures, uh, higher sea surface temperature and various other climatic factors, the fishing zones have uh, changed their cyclical pattern. Their forefathers could go right in the middle of the ocean or right, you know, in a certain season, in a certain time of the year and know what, where to go to catch what kind of fish. Uh, but nowadays what has happened, they, have, they are spending a lot of time out in the sea. They are wasting a lot of fuel. They are getting more exposed to bad weather and coming back with a lesser catch. So we kind of started there. We uh, None of us were from the fishing background or none of us from, from the fisheries domain. So we really had to go and talk to people, talk to fishermen to validate is what we are seeing on through our data is actually the case. So we did a, uh, we conducted interviews of fishermen across um, the peninsula of India, starting from uh, Gujarat, Maharashtra, Tamil Nadu, uh, coastal Karnataka, Kerala, Orissa, West Bengal. We recorded all of that. We asked them basic questions and all of them came back um, uh, with replies, which kind of summarized what we are seeing on paper as well that they are finding it increasingly difficult to find a catch and various other, you know, livelihood factors that uh, comes along with it is finding it difficult to have a finance, financial support from the government or a validator or formal financial support and finding it difficult to sell through, you know, charting their ways through, through these various dealers. So, and then we thought, you know, as I said, you know, um, having learned from my previous startup, I really wanted to, you know, validate if there is a market beyond India for this. Uh, and the you know, institution we could think about is the United Nations who work with uh, uh, global uh, you know, nations. Reached out to them. Long story short, we came back. Uh, we got a reverberating yes from 25-odd uh, countries saying that this is a problem. So then uh, we went back to our whiteboard, designing a solution that will... Um, help uh, you know this fisherman but also by then we have had we have had a multiple discussion with governments and we believe there is a there's a two sides of the problem one problem being the fisherman livelihood factor and the other problem being the overfishing so uh, since we are uh, analyzing marine data we could provide both and it's kind of tied to each other at one hand if i am uh, helping the fisherman helping the small scale fisherman to find a catch I should not be encouraging uh, overfishing in any, any which ways. I need to have some kind of control measures in my application, in, in my, uh, uh, you know, the information that I'm showing so that that cannot be misused. So as of today, what we typically do is we analyzing ocean observation data. We make it available directly on a very easy to use mobile app to the fishermen. But the fishermen can use it for... Um, getting to see the nearest uh, fishing zones, being able to use it for logging their catch and using that data, that digitized data, to connect back to the market, connect directly to retailers and connect directly to uh, validated uh, microfinances, which is an end-to-end -end solution for the fishermen. On the other hand, uh, we are providing the governments, providing the port authorities, uh, providing the coastal authorities with a dashboard that helps them navigate their own waters for illegal and for overfishing. So we give them all those information for vessel tracking, for uh, any other marine uh, uh, you know, health data, 
directly available on the dashboard that they can see from their comfort of their offices. So these both the things coupled, I believe we are trying to um, not only safeguard uh, the fishermen, uh, the small scale fish, uh, fishermen which kind of saw a declining cash for the last few years, but we are also being able to help the entire value chain. Uh, there are retailers in the value chain. There are export houses in the value chain. There are uh, microfinances in the value chain, and all of these at at the present day suffer because there is no uh, you know platform for capturing this data. So we're providing a platform for capturing the data of their catch of their profile that will help the entire value chain to work with each other in a uh, in a seamless way. Right. So uh, I remember actually reading a paper a few years ago on um, potential for fishing zones because I think this is uh, one of the applications that uh, ISRO uh, you know had uh, developed uh, through the course of time. And uh, there's quite a lot of material uh, that is published from ISRO on, uh, uh, you know, doing pilot studies on this. And uh, you can even see uh, a lot of uh, the chairman of ISRO speak about this particular application quite a lot because, uh, you know, I, I remember a study from ISRO which said uh, this increases uh, catch by 50% and it reduces the time to market. It increases the safety aspect of the uh, fishermen because they know where to get to. And uh, uh, and then also the pollution uh, levels go down because the amount of fuel consumed, consumed to get the same amount of catch is lower and uh, uh, yeah, so, so on. So, but then, uh, you know, the problem there, I think, was um, ISRO was uh, relying on uh, Fisheries Survey of India, from what I remember, to fax all the coordinates. Uh, and essentially, the Fisheries Survey of India was then responsible for uh, fishermen to, you know, then get that information. So there's a kind of a G to G to C kind of a setup, right? Yes. So, did you have uh, uh, any information on this uh, before you started? And you know, did you see this working on the ground? What was your experience with all of this? Right. So, yeah. So, uh, Incoys uh, map still works today. Also, if you want to see fishing zones across India, you should be able to see it in Incoys. Uh, I believe there have been there are two applications, uh, two mobile apps as of today, which incorporates Incoys uh, coordinates in their uh, in their mobile app. Uh, the problem of when when we interact with the customers, interact with the fishermen, it is a bit too cryptic for them, and that was their uh, own understanding or own feedback on it. Uh, we even asked them why because we really wanted to understand what is the gap. Even if there is a potential fishing zone advisories, what is the gap? Why they are not using it? So one is the, you know, how you're reaching out to the fishermen. Uh, and the other thing is how do you're delivering the message? Um, so we kind of, uh, you know, redesigned our solution to the fact that it's very easy to use by the fishermen, given their background, given their, uh, you know, technical um, knowledge. So our app kind of solves the problem of user adaptation. And we were very careful or mindful about the fact that if they don't, if you are not, if they're not able to use it in a, uh, in a easy fashion, they will never use it. So I, we kind of went through pilots uh, showing the app to them, taking their feedback so that they find it easy to use. So that's something that 
uh, for us it was easy for us to do because we are uh, you know comparatively a much nimbler and smaller organization we could go to the fishermen and talk to them show the application and kind of uh, you know uh, refeed their feedback onto our uh, ui so ui aspect was definitely a a big thing for us the other thing is um, it is not only a data problem it is also a community problem so uh, i cannot and also a trust problem so what we realized early in the days that if i go to since i don't have a, a fishing background my family is not into that fish into uh, fishing as a trade if i go and stand in saversova and i tell the fishermen that you know what i'll show you the uh, fishing zones into the sea they won't trust me so and why would they trust me i come from i have little knowledge of their trade so to be able for the fishermen to really use the application you have come you have to come through a a trusted party so having said that we early in our days uh, joined hands or applied to unlimited india a social uh, investment firm who kind of works with social entrepreneurs a social <coughs> entrepreneur heavy um, uh, firm so they basically taught us how to you know reach out to the communities and how we how you you know make headway into such a difficult customer base so that's something that really helped us all in the program and also what again helped us is working with the un uh, where working with the wfp where we realized to really you know make it uh, uh, make it um, you know a regular habit for them to use the application the kind of reach out the kind of marketing you need to use the kind of dialogue you need to use the kind of training you need to use uh you know you cannot just expect to float an application on apps app store and and the fishermen using it uh, the next day that's not possible you need to train them you need to listen to them you need to understand if there are other issues that can be solved through the same uh, same channel if there is something else that is uh, giving them a problem instead of just finding fishing zone so through that learning we kind of tied the retail part through that learning we kind of tied the microfinances part so it's again it's not just a standalone data issue it's a kind of a collaboration between uh, having a data solution marked with the community uh, in a collaboration and also keeping in mind that how can you uh, you know having the right trust trust factor for this uh, community to use your application on an ongoing basis you talked about the availability of uh, the data um, what is the kind of data that you use from sentinel and nasa and what is the equivalent of that in isro well isro has if we use ocean color data um uh, for our analysis uh, we use um, you know sentinel 3 data uh isro products frankly from the top of my head i wouldn't be that very familiar uh because uh, we didn't really you know go back to isro after we had uh, issues of collecting the data on a daily basis uh, i believe ocean sat is something uh, is a we can uh, use data from ocean sat that's what my team tells me frankly speaking i am not a gis person so i won't be able to give you the actual data product names uh, but i'm happy to explore once we get some you know easier access to isro data set basically from uh, what i understand then that the end user application is nothing but uh, a smartphone so your uh, the app that you have built uh, interfaces with uh, uh, the smartphone and uh, people can just download uh, or data just refreshes on their uh, smartphone every day and people can navigate to the fishing zone and then you know get their uh, catch and come back that's uh, is that right correct so it's a smartphone application for the fishermen and it's a dashboard application for the 
you know, port, port authorities. So remember, we said we are also very mindful of the fact that we are not encouraging overfishing. So we provide a dashboard for the port authorities uh, that goes hand in hand uh, because um, you'll see what typically the authorities say that uh, if there is something like, for example, uh, very uh, an example from the recent times is today I was talking to a fisherman uh, today morning collecting his uh, you know feedback on how uh, the crisis affects his business. He said there are many fishermen still out in the sea they have uh, they didn't have much idea when the crisis started so the uh, you know the what i was coming back to is that many times governments or port authorities need to reach out to fishermen in an easier way they need to know where the fishermen are so we are helping uh, the you know the authorities do that through a dashboard through a data channel and for the fishermen is just an application that not only shows them the fishing zones, but connect them back to the market, connect them back to the money. Right. So is there any uh, real time uh, data exchange between the port and uh, the fishing vessels? Because, um, you know, for any data exchange, you need to have a network, right? Because uh, I'm not sure how further into the the sea uh, there is a you know, mobile phone network or anything available. Uh, so is this something that you collect, uh, you know, offline and then you transmit back once people are, uh, you know, have connectivity or how does it actually work in terms of the transactions? Right. So fish, fishing boats do have some transponders as of today, uh, which can, which are, uh, the first thing is that we bring on all those transponders in, into a single platform. Though on a separate uh, discussion, we are trying to provide them better transponders as well, but uh, I don't want to go there because that's still what we are uh, you know, exploring. But there are, uh, you know, there are devices that the fisherman uses for, uh, you know, for not only for the lat long uh, measurements, but also uh, for uh, uh, communication. So we're using that as of today. There is a limit to the network connectivity, yes. Uh, certain places you do see network extending up to 10 kilometers into the sea. Uh, beyond that, they are uh, we, the transponders help them to connect. Um, we, at this point in time, we are working in a model. We are working with something on something that will help them to communicate better in the sea without using uh, the mobile phones, without being reliant on kind of GPS. So this is currently work in progress. And we're helping very soon we'll be able to integrate that to the dashboard as well and being able to, you know, integrate that back to uh, uh, the authorities uh, having a, a connection, better connection between, uh, uh, you know, uh, coastal authorities and fishermen. Okay. The transponders that you say are uh, a, a part of the fishing vessel and that's, uh, you know, installed through a government scheme. How does it work? Because essentially, uh, you know, fishermen have their own... Uh, you know, every state has its own fisheries unit, right? And uh, so you, every fisheries unit, because I know that ISRO is piloting something with fishermen in Kerala from the news I've been reading uh, for the transponders. So, uh, and you operate primarily now out of uh, Bombay. Uh, so uh, like how, how does it uh, actually work between, uh, because given that India has 7,000 kilometers of coastline, uh, I was curious how this operates. So from what I know is the uh, Maharashtra government has spent a um, couple of lakhs in getting the transponders in installed in the small boats. Uh, and it it was uh, installed by the government themselves. So it 
I think uh, it's kind of tied to their having their license in place. Though there are uh, complaints about the current transponders not doing their job, but uh, it was primarily given given as a government scheme. Uh, and in, even in the rest, other parts of the parts of the country, even in uh, West Bengal or even in Andhra, we have the uh, same uh, some government state government schemes the schemes which installs uh, devices on small fishing boats. Uh, the thought of installing the devices is not only to track them all, but also to in normal times, but also be able to extend. Uh, uh, search and rescue services during emergencies. Yeah, right. So uh, do you have any clue on uh, if these transponders are uh, basically, um, you know, ground uh, communication as in, uh, or do they have a direct satellite link? Uh, any clue on this? No, they don't. Currently, I don't think so. They have a satellite link. They, From what I hear, and I'll be very honest, uh, the, the advanced talk on these transponders I've had with just the Maharashtra government, they have difficulties in uploading to, uh, connecting to satellites. So they are not using that model at all. The only way they're communicating is through a, a you know, ground station. I don't know about other states, but that's what I know from Maharashtra. That's the reason, you know, we are currently working on a better way to do provide a satellite communication and a ground station communication and uh, being able to use a better communication method, which does not use GPS. So that's what our current work consists of. And uh, we believe uh, we can, uh, we'll couple this together with our uh, application as well, because everything goes kind of hand in hand. Uh, so that will be part of a solution as well in the coming months. Great. So, so you're then looking at, uh, you know, installing some sort of a position or position or whatever sensor on these uh, uh, vessels, which are probably lower cost that can use existing satellite networks uh, to then collect that data. Yes, lower cost, better communication, uh, you know, uh, tamper proof, uh, more reliable. Exactly. So uh, this is, uh, you know, fascinating. Uh, how scalable is this in terms of, uh, you know, your app and everything? Because obviously, you know, language, I think, is one issue there. And uh, also maybe jurisdiction of how states treat this. And uh, so tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how this works between different states and the jurisdictions and languages and, you know, adoption. Right. So uh, there are two things that uh, kind of um, it's customized from region to region is, of course, the language, as you rightly identified. Language is something that so we currently support uh, five languages, uh, Tamil, uh, Sinhala, because we implemented the Sri Lanka solution through WFP. So Tamil, uh, Sinhala, um, English, Marathi and Bengali. So these are five different uh, languages that uh, we currently support. Apart from that, there is a data security in, in place. Uh, we have whatever details of uh, yield they are collecting uh, that securely, uh, you know, secured in our in our uh, app. That the data security was identified when we were trying. You know, the need for the data security was identified when we were trying to do this. Um, Know, for our initial talks with the Sri Lankan government and uh, they were uh, uh, very conscious about the fact that we'll be accessing fisherman yield yeah. data and how can we make, make sure that uh, none of this yield data gets uh, you know handed over to a um, not useful party so so yeah so that's something that we uh, kind of had uh, we have stitched into the system and the other thing is jurisdiction perspective uh, 
we you can only see a fishing zone that is uh, around 20 kilometers uh, around your coast so standing in mumbai i should not be able to see i will not be able to see some even uh, something in bengal uh, we wanted to make sure that we are not publishing every data to all kinds of fishermen across the country similarly standing in sri lanka if i open the application i won't be able to see indian indian fishing zone so between countries uh, that's um, controlled and even within a country it is controlled zone wise uh, and of course nothing beyond the coastal uh, waters nothing beyond the 20 nautical miles uh, we are not uh, providing uh, information to deep sea trawlers who are anyway engaging over fishing so we don't want to really provide any kind of further information to them so all those things have been kept in mind to design the solutions so that the data is rightfully used and it can it cannot be misused you talked about the yield and um, this is something that uh, people key in to keep track of their yield uh, in your software or uh, is this something that you are talking about you know estimating yield based on satellite data itself no we don't do that we don't really uh, because then that is kind of we kind of avoid doing that though there are papers and research uh, you know many kind of studies where you can do the estimation of yield uh, we don't also identify fish species because that kind of if you really you know go into uh, studying overfishing as a subject overfishing is uh, said to happen when you kill a certain species so if i'm doing that and if i am uh, you know calculating that i believe the data can be hugely uh misuse so i don't really want to go there what we are where we started collecting data is from the perspective that you know the first thing it was to show them the potential fishing zones and you know the community that we are uh, uh working with they do have a sense of the ocean we are not giving them anything new we are only giving them a better or a faster access to it so as even uh, isro uh, 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 talked about it that you can reduce the amount of time they take to direct uh, you know to reach a fishing zones without wandering around the ocean we save on the fuel cost so that is our key uh, interest in the first place second thing when we started collecting you know collecting their eel that is primary from the perspective is that currently they end up uh, borrowing uh, operational loans on a everyday basis from a lot of money lenders lot of local uh, interest uh, you know um, local leaders with very high interest rate uh and then uh whatever catch they get these are the people they sell to in a very low cost so if you have to really break through that uh you'll have to have their data digitized in a certain way where they can reach out to the microfinancers directly the reason they don't do it today because the microfinancers in the banks of the world do not have anything to validate that this fisherman is going to be able to repay my loans they the only collateral they have is a land or a gold which most uh, or a Uh, yeah most fishermen if they don't have it they don't they are not applicable to the uh, you know microfinances so how can you uh, you know digitize their data how can you track their uh, uh, yield on a day to day basis keep a sense of their minimum profile levels needed for a kyc and just you know act, act as a uh, uh, kind of a marketplace where uh, the banks and the uh, microfinances of the world can you know talk to their customers and it can be an easy exchange without they having to sign off forms and they having to go through various paperwork which they don't really understand much of it so that's where the yield recording kind of came into uh, view and again it kind of tied up to the uh, you know uh, selling as well so if you are recording the yield if you are recording the kind of fish you are catching a market um, uh, any kind of retailer e-commerce who buys 
fresh uh, seafood can buy it off our platform so that's the uh, so uh, answering circling back to your question all the fe all these features are uh, available on the uh, ofish app you don't have to really use all the features uh, you can use just the potential fishing zone advisory and the weather advisory and then just it but if you're interested to use the uh, the financial application or the market application then you'll have to fill up those details and we connect you to the uh, rightful partner in the ecosystem yeah i mean this is uh, kind of fascinating because uh, it's uh, solving problems across the the value chain within the fisheries uh, you know sector right you are looking at uh, you know the the fishermen themselves but uh, but also the the whole problem of access to finance and also access to market so it's all packaging you know three or multiple different things yeah and i think we kind of realized that long uh, in a very early in the program that if we have to really make it successful we'll have to touch all these uh, key points uh, just showing uh, fishing zones without providing a downstream application of it won't really help so that's the reason we are kind of uh, you know stitching it all together and making it available to them yeah this uh, you know brings me to believing uh, how uh, you know the something like isro or any other space agency should also interface because essentially i think um, their mandate is to make this data available and uh, you know that data creates the ecosystem for people like to you to use it in different ways and forms and because you have the insight into the market and uh, uh, and the nerve of it right so uh that is also i think one thing that uh, you know that makes the bottleneck for something like this to scale because if they also start participating in the downstream there is not enough people and not enough uh, incentive for them to scale any of the applications to you know to the scale of a country right interestingly um, i had a very good conversation with uh, rakesh sashipushan sir during our kerala meet also also madhavan sir and uh, i believe and you know we have been kept in uh, we have kept, you know i have written back to them since then and i believe uh, isro or inquires for that matter uh, coming to the kind of work we are doing can definitely help us in uh, getting some more domain knowledge of it and what we and from their learnings what we can you know teach and about how we can apply or improve our systems better and if we can get to work with them there's nothing uh, like that so uh, uh numerate as an organization with 14 member i believe if we can have some support from the isros or the inquiries of the world we can work with pan india and why only pan india we can work with the global system because um from what i see this problem is not just india centric it's a uh, problem is much beyond uh, southeast asia and it's is global you know based on your experience uh, with your company how would a geospatial uh, you know ecosystem building happen if isro bought to participate so of course you know isro can give out data for free but are there any ideas based on your experience that you would say that if you know isro or somebody doing space or even for example the kerala space park where i'm involved in if we could give you some tools or some access to some stuff uh what would make uh, more entrepreneurs like you you know build these kind of applications right see so purely stepping back uh, we are a, a data science company we analyze data of all formats so this is ofish is one you know a product that we are building and i believe uh, so far uh, uh you know it has been a very successful product actually but uh, the fact that you know we 
really got good good feedback on it. But if in the early days, if we had had data coming in from ISRO or data coming from uh, you know Encoys or some you know domain support there, we could have gone uh, covered much much more ground than we are doing currently because we are kind of studying everything, right? We are just uh, uh, every day is a new study for us. Uh, so that's something. But going forward. There are multiple things you can do in this world. I mean, uh, if suppose just take the marine resources for that matter. When you're talking about a tsunami warning, or you talk about a you know a fishing advisory, uh, Incoys has those uh, advisories locked up in their uh, uh, you know site, which don't really uh, reach the end customers and consumers, and don't really reach them the way it should reach them. So we believe uh, as starters we can you know uh, fill that gap uh, uh, provide a you know provide a kind of a marketing channel or a kind of a, a customized uh, data providers customized solution providers to targeted markets or targeted customers that i believe can be uh, can be done if we have access to the data so we don't really uh, you know we uh, focus more on application building focus more on uh, target customer target market study and if the data access becomes easier an interesting aspect that you talked about is the scale to other countries and uh, you know how this scales to many other countries like sri lanka and you know maybe african countries um how uh, you know easy is uh, for somebody like you who's based in india to connect with those kinds of ecosystems where you know people are coming from different uh, cultures languages uh, how because the of course the technology scales but uh, are the you know fishing communities uh, very different there or uh, fishing communities almost operate the same way i can speak from my experience in uh, sri lanka and uh, uh, some experience in talking to few people in bangladesh uh, we are almost we are close i mean they just neighbors so there's not really much of difference but i believe uh, you know for for us to scale ofish to other countries won't be too much of a difficulty because we are we started this program with the uh, united nations and uh, the reason we started with started this with the united nation is understanding the fact that it is impossible for again a, you know a 50 member team operating from mumbai to really reach out to every corners of the world we need an introduction we need you, we need a trust factor so that's what the un provides and uh, i believe through that having you know using uh, the channels using the connections the un has and the trust that they provide to the local communities we can easily apply the solutions to not only southeast asia but also to africa and africa is a very good example by the way uh, there are many countries facing issues on uh, you know there if you study the small scale fishermen um, you know as a community across the world they are the ones that are mostly deprived that they are the ones that are mostly you know gone astray from the uh, from that livelihood because they are not really gaining much of uh, you know they are deeply suffering from food security so yeah so i believe you know we do have access to it um, it's not too much of a trouble and too much of a, a problem in uh, scaling it to global levels for us at this moment uh, we have the right channel partners and we are also working with um, esri on this we use esri as a uh, as a tech platform so even esri helps us in uh, in communication and marketing and sales so we do have a couple of uh, global uh, partners and the esa of the world so 
it's not too difficult from your uh, you know experience in building such uh, you know new products uh, i'm sure that you have talked to other uh, yeah you know upcoming entrepreneurs in the geospatial world in india uh, and abroad uh, you know generally what is the sense that you get uh, for uh, a lot of this downstream uh, geospatial technologies uh, getting built out of india and you know not just uh, serving indian markets but also abroad uh, because uh, you know i feel like uh, there's quite a lot of applications that are out there that are really underexplored uh, and uh, you know where communities can be served but then you know we're not really doing that uh, as efficiently or the or the markets were not there for example you know your own company maybe it wouldn't have existed maybe you know 5 years ago because uh, smartphones may not have been as cheap as what it was today right correct so uh, if i understand your uh, question correctly you're saying how india as a geospatial application uh, uh you know uh, how indian startups compare with uh, you know non indian startups in the geospatial application side of things is that your question uh, no i mean not not really not really that but uh, essentially what i'm trying to get to is uh, you know you you have uh, done something at a timing where uh, hmm. a lot of things have come together for fishermen to take up your tools right so because smartphones have uh, now been available they are cheap they can buy it and you know uh, so and then the network layer is available and you have uh, quite a lot of uh, cloud infrastructure that you can deploy so there's a few things that have come into place for the market to mature um, so there are a number of such things that uh, could have uh, you know impacted other sectors not just the fishery sectors uh, where you know these uh, markets are now mature enough uh, for the uptake to happen so do you see a lot of that uh, through your conversations with other entrepreneurs uh, within india well yes i mean i think uh, from the top of my head uh, i believe uh, and since i am from the data analytics side of things something that top you know comes to, uh, immediately to me is the use of data or the awareness of uh, uh, of everybody to know that you know data can be used for uh, decision making has uh, sharply uh, risen in the last few years and to the fact that uh, uh, banks and um, you know mainstream banks who are very difficult to change have adopted uh, these kind of data analysis and kind of uh, are using them on a day to day basis uh, i believe every uh, bank in the world uh, bank in india today uh, maybe in the, in exempting maybe the cooperative bank they are uh, again a little uh, late to the party to join the party but apart from that you know uh, any bank that you see in uh, a typical city has uh, you know woken up to the possibilities of uh, how they can use data to analyze their customers better analyze their products better or is better for that matter so that's one thing that has um, i see uh, in the analytics sector apart from that uh, you know uh, uh, using from the geospatial side of things using uh, location intelligence is everywhere i mean you is from your mobile phones to your laptops to your watches your watch uh, wrist watch so location intelligence is being used for you know either a matchmaking purpose or being used to really connect uh, uh, suppliers in the market so that's something that uh, is uh, is is very good to see um talking about entrepreneurs that i uh, that i regularly talk to or in my circle 
few things has become easier few things of the distribution channel has become easier uh, connecting two ends of the pipeline supply chain pipeline has become easier i was earlier talking today uh, with uh, uh, again uh, keep uh, on this crisis situation or the current uh, lockdown that we are having i was earlier talking to an entrepreneur who was in the in the farming industry and she, uh, she has been uh, you know she, she has a funnel that the farmer uh, how the farmer reaches the market so only because of the location intelligence in in place he does not really reach out to his uh, you know um, to village market to really sell his goods he can connect to anybody uh, in in his jurisdiction so the virtual world is making a lot of things easier and uh, i believe that's something that we can you know uh, even when and that has kind of become very uh, the normal um, uh, situation of the day where we you're using uh, geospatial data or in data analysis for any kind of app any kind of uh, solution any kind of problem solving fascinating so my uh, final question to you would be uh, what is the scale that you see operating at in uh, let's say 5 years time to comparing now uh, would you say uh, you know a million plus uh, fishermen are using this uh, let's say in india or other places uh, you know uh, what is the kind of growth that you see in in terms of adoption and how that translates into you know sustainability and other issues Oh yeah, so um, uh, and not only fishermen, a million plus yes uh, across the entire value chain. We are talking about retailers. We are talking about uh, you know uh, banks, financial institutions. We are talking about uh, uh, export houses, for that matter. Uh, and um, what uh, really excites me, you know, NP is that uh, fisheries as a sector has not seen uh, too much of a adaptation, but. Uh, the good news is that when you talk to these people they are very well aware of it they are uh, they are not uh, in they they know technology they understand technology so it though as a you know first mover there are a lot of uh, challenges we face in the market but then there is al- al- always a silver lining to that cloud so uh, we believe we can uh, scale up uh, really fast if we uh, you know things go as planned and as i said it's an entire ecosystem that we are looking at and uh, we believe there is much more to offer than it meets the eye currently and uh, there are many things other than uh, just the fishermen in the value chain that we are trying to so, uh, you know trying to provide um, uh, you know um, help for and keeping in mind the sustainability because we started with un so the sdg goals of uh, curbing hunger uh, and the sdg goals of life under water uh, we believe we can uh, help solve that through our application a little bit i would like to talk about our uh, you know how we are solving hunger because this is something that we started with and is very close to our heart uh, is um, when we present in the wfp we we were the only only startup which went which was talking about uh, uh, growing food from the ocean so every other startup was concentrated about uh, how to feed the poor from um, uh, you know food from earth so we said mm-hmm. see it you know you're talking about 180 million uh, hungry people and all of them can be fed from the sea uh, and your your own uh, organization the fao said that uh, if you can rightfully fish you can actually feed the poor and you know take measures to make your food security issues better so we believe you know there are a couple of things that you are trying to do that won't be easy to solve won't happen in a day uh we are starting with something we believe will provide the highest value 
and then we'll tie the you know uh, bigger pictures or the bigger goals into it as we go good luck uh, to the entire team uh, this is a fascinating application i would love to have more guests uh, who are doing such uh, downstream applications to learn more about how you know space is really creating an uh, uh, useful uh, product at the end of the value chain to all of it uh, thank you very much for taking uh, time out to speaking with me uh we'd love to keep in touch and you know have you again uh, speak about all the progress in a couple of years again sure thank you and thank you so much for your time it was lovely speaking to you thank you for staying until the end if you have any comments or suggestions please write to curator@newspaceindia.com please consider sharing this episode with any friends or family who may be interested in learning about india's space activities if you would like to stay in touch with the new space india community please use the link in the description to join the new space india telegram group feel free to also suggest guests for any future episodes a new episode of the new space india podcast is released every other friday do subscribe to the podcast using apple google or any other podcasting platforms you may use until the next episode thank you